Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Brandon Odo uh, for the Critical Care Scenarios podcast. I'm here with Brian Bowling, and uh, we want to just give you a little bit of an idea what we are all about here. Um, we're going to be trying to give you some educational scenarios, but before we get into it, I thought it would be helpful to tell you who we are and what we're trying to do here and why. So, Brian, do you want to introduce yourself to the folks? Sure. So my name is Brian Bowling. I'm a nurse practitioner with the Anesthesia Critical Care Service at the University of Kentucky. Um, I've been an NP for three or four years now. Before that, I was a nurse in the cardiothoracic ICU, the surgical ICU, the ED. I've done just about every type of critical care. So, ah, Well, I'm Brandon Odo. Um, my background originally was in EMS. I worked for a number of years on the ambulance in California and Boston. Then I went up to a PA school in Maine at the University of New England, and then I did a, a one-year critical care residency at Johns Hopkins. And then I, I spent a few years doing mostly trauma critical care at a busy trauma center outside DC. And uh, just recently relocated up to Connecticut, where I'm seeing a more mixed population, some medical folks, surgical patients, cardiac surgery. Um, and uh, also run the educational website Critical Concepts at critcon.org. So what we're hoping to do here is walk you through a series of short critical care scenarios just presented verbally like this. And the, the reason behind all this, and you could tell me what you think, Brian, but I think what I've found, we both have a, a little bit of experience now doing medical education, is that um, it's not so hard to teach kind of the core concepts of medicine. And this, I think, applies to critical care, but I would imagine any specialty. But teaching the details is a little bit harder. Those kind of practical things that, all right, you say you're going to do X, Y, and Z, but how do you actually do it? You know, is it a high priority or a low one? Do you do it fast or slow? How do you actually execute it and follow up on it? Um, and those are the kind of details that really make up a, a lot of the practice of medicine, but they're kind of hard to teach except by experience. Is that what you found? Yeah, so I, I think there's a big difference between the textbook in the classroom and then the real world application. Uh, and we do this, uh, I work in a teaching hospital, so those of you who work in that environment are used to this. We do this all the time with residents and fellows. Uh, we have an NP fellowship as well. Um, you know, just sort of discuss topics uh, either you know, there's an interesting patient that we've had today or just pick a con concept at random and sort of sit around and talk about it. Uh, and that's what this sort of grew out of that, that sort of experience. And I think you're right. The, the, the best way sort of to learn these practical, real-world details is just to talk through scenarios. Yeah, and at least in EMS, when there was kind of a little bit of an anti-educational bent there sometimes, people would act like the textbook in real life were these polar opposites. And I think that's not the, the point. The, you're, you're trying to practice textbook medicine, but there's just a whole lot on top of that which is not in the textbook because it's just too... Uh, it's too granular. It's 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 details. It's logistics. It's uh, things that really only apply to you or to your setting and can't be taught broadly. And I mean, how do you learn this stuff? I, there's you know you could do sims. You could do these 
high fidelity simulation training where you have multi-thousand dollar mannequins and you know sim rooms that cost more than that and a bunch of people involved and i think that's great but there's just not a lot of opportunity for it you know it's it's actually difficult to do it effectively people people who specialize in this um you know they're expensive how often are you going to do it you could do um you could do kind of self-visualization where you imagine yourself in various scenarios and i think that's great too but it's really at the mercy of the the details you can introduce to it because that's what makes or breaks kind of scenarios or simulations and if you don't have experience already it's hard to put those details into it so if you're starting out uh you're kind of stuck there yeah and i would think you were talking about simulation and i I think there's been a lot of research recently into uh in in situ simulation where you just do a quick scenario in the ICU itself, right? Not in a sim lab, uh, but just in the ICU. Uh, it's a more realistic setting, but also it allows for this sort of concept of like a pop-up simulation, right? Uh, things are slow this afternoon. Let's grab a bunch of people and run through a scenario. And I think what we're doing here is sort of the low-cost, low-tech version of that. Um, you know, just run through a scenario um, and, and and sort of learn from that and work through how things are done in, in real life. Yeah, the um, I used to on my old EMS educational site, EMS Basics. Uh, I would do written scenarios every week. We would have a new one. It was in this fictional world called Scenarioville, so it was kind of a consistent, albeit fictional environment. So you can get to know that system, and it would kind of walk you through, you know, one EMS call. Um, and what I found useful about that was that compared to the maybe little clinical vignettes you'd see in a textbook maybe which were didn't have a lot of detail and they were always clearly meant to illustrate some obvious point and you could usually knew what it was because you know of the chapter it was in or whatever Uh, but that doesn't give you a lot of the kind of experience of actually working where a lot of what you do is not obvious you have to figure out what it's all about Um, you don't really get the the pacing of the call and the flow of it and how do you actually ask this question you know do you do this first or that first and that sort of thing so i think this is sort of the same idea it's whether it's written or whether it's kind of spoken through um getting into those details is i think as important as those basic precepts yeah when i first started as a nurse practitioner um i said i worked for an anesthesia group and one of the things that we did as part of our initial training uh, was something called mock oral boards uh, where we would go sit in a room with two of our uh, anesthesia ICU attendings and they would just throw scenarios at us. Uh, you know, you're on call uh, overnight and you get a call about a patient who, um, you know, is post-op day two from a, you know, lung resection and now they're in, this is the EKG you see. What do you do? Uh, and then you would go through these scenarios and they would just keep hammering you with questions. And it was very nerve wracking. But at the end of all of this training, uh, I felt pretty confident handling things like that. You know, I felt like when I'm on call overnight next time and I get that call, I'm going to know what to do. Yeah, and I think that gets at the other aspect we're trying to capture here, which is that this sort of training exposes you to how other people handle certain situations. And that's actually a somewhat rare and valuable thing to see, especially after you finish your 
whatever your initial training is. Um, because as you get out into a more independent environment, um, you know, if you're maybe an APP in the ICU, you, you maybe work alone, depending on your, your workflow there, or perhaps just with an attending. And if you're an attending position, you may work largely alone. And you kind of only see how you do things and maybe a few of your colleagues, how they go about them. But, you know, the times when I've been able to see, you know, watch somebody else run a code or do a procedure or, you know, interview a patient, I, I'm very frequently saying, wow, that's a that's a, a cool way to do that that I've never seen. So this way, you know, people can see how Brian and I do things. Now, is that of any interest to anyone? I don't know. But um, what we can also do is start to bring some other folks on here and then hopefully see how maybe some specialists handle situations that would be useful to everyone. Yeah, and that's a great point. That's a great way to learn is by watching people who do it more than you do. Um, I've learned a lot, uh, particularly in the world of palliative care, uh, by sitting in with our palliative care physicians. I've learned how to not just even to how to do palliative care, but how to how to talk to families about difficult topics. Um, and you know, I think getting that new perspective is is super helpful. Yeah, and and how un- unfortunate and in, in kind of this reality that after we're kind of get to the point where we're largely trained for our roles, we rarely are able to see other people do these things anymore. Mm-hmm. So the um, our goal here, at least to start out, is going to be to present maybe one of these podcasts a month, uh, each presenting one detailed scenario. One of us will present it and the other will kind of be put through it as if they were there. And hopefully each one can illustrate something important, one disease process, one particular clinical problem or challenge, and you can take away a a few learning points from it. If you can learn, you know, two or three things, I I think that would be successful. Hopefully it can be fun, uh, relatively casual, but at the same time be relatively concise so there's not too much fluff here. Yeah, and this is going to be pretty realistic. We're going to have scenarios that maybe Brandon and I don't encounter every day, uh, and I'm going to have to come up with things on the fly, or he's going to have to remember back in the recesses of his brain how he learned to do this. Uh, And so we're going to probably make some mistakes uh, and say some things along the way, but don't worry, we will make sure that at the end of the whole thing, you're getting the the truth and the facts, uh, even if we maybe mess up along the way. Right. Uh, so the, you know, you can certainly listen to these just by leading back and enjoying them if they're enjoyable at all. Uh, but if you want to get the most education out of them, I think the way to go about it would be to really put yourself in these shoes. And as it unfolds, imagine you were there and think what you would do. Um, that way you can kind of make the appropriate adjustments to your own environment. So, you know, some things will have to be modified for your setting, your patients, uh, what you yourself would do. And that will kind of tweak it so that it's appropriate for you. And then you can compare what we're doing and say, oh, you know, that's an interesting thought. I wouldn't have done it that way and kind of expand your world a little bit. So that is that. So why don't we wrap it up and you can go on and check out the first scenario. Good luck. Good luck.